Good evening, and welcome to Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm host Michael Dow, and I'm joined tonight by uh, Sue Timberlake and, hey and Stacy Cooney. <laughs> Hello. Stacy is th- th- uh, has filled in before, but this is explicitly uh, an attempt uh, to have sort of a guest appearance from evidence-based radio. Oh, we're going to talk about facts? We are t- talking <laughs> about facts and science, among other things, and how they crash into a major political issue, which is quite simply, well, the way it's usually expressed is a woman's right to choose. Um, we'll get into the terminology and why there are little caveats to how that frames the issue, but we'll do that in a moment. Um, so I do want to em- mention a couple of things. One, uh, we'd love to hear from you, and uh, please contact us. Uh, we'll try to read emails and stuff during the show, and you can send them to us, uh, radio at valleyfreeradio.org. Uh, Twitter, it's at civilpoliticsfm, and on Facebook, we are facebook.com slash civilpoliticsradio. Um, I'm just posting a link there, by the way, to on, on Facebook to uh, a little graphic NPR has of states that have recently passed laws to uh, basically ban uh, even early abortions. You know, very, uh, uh, very early in the in the in the process. So um, uh, we do also have our own website, which is civilpoliticsradio.com, which has recordings of previous episodes, links to things we talk about, supplemental episodes, and so forth. Uh, the other thing I want to mention is just to reiterate uh, our, our station's policy, uh, the views and opinions that I uh, or, or my uh, co-speakers are going to be expressing our are our views and opinions. They don't necessarily reflect those of Valley Free Radio, other people who, who work or, or who support this station, um, it's, this is us talking about stuff that, that said the stuff that we, you know, the scientific facts we're going to talk about are scientific facts. <laughs> we, you know, we aren't making those up. So, uh, so I wanted to, uh, sort of hand things over to Stacy for at least a few moments to get us started in talking about, uh, sort of what the, the stakes of this issue are, what the parameters are, uh, in terms of, you know, uh, what is the. Sorry, a lot of this issue has been framed around uh, uh, people terminating pregnancies and how it's basically just an attempt at infanticide, and it's just not accurate at all. And so, uh, Stacy, who is you know has the patience for research that I don't, uh, you know, graciously agreed to do so. So, take it away, Stacy. Set us straight. Okay, so um, I definitely do plan to tell you where I'm getting um, most of my. Uh, information from just so that you can know um, I forgot to write down which website this was um, but this is a um, I just want to start off with something from a pro-life uh, website or as I like to say a forced birth uh, website and so these were some um, factoids that they uh, had to offer and I think that's it's a good way to start framing the issue so they noted that induced abortions usually result from unintended pregnancies, which often occur despite the use of contraception. That's from the CDC. In 2008, 51% of women having abortions used a contraceptive method during the month that they became pregnant. Nine in 10 of women at risk of unintended pregnancy are using a contraceptive method. 
Oral contraceptives, the most widely used reversible method of contraception, carry failure rates of 6 to 8% in actual practice. And so I think that's a... That's the pill. That's the pill. Yeah. Um, IUDs are a little bit better. Um, I, for instance, have an IUD. Um, I haven't been in any, in any chance of getting pregnant, but it's still um, been very uh, safe and effective for me. Um, it's helped with other health issues because that's another thing um, that a lot of these, um, a lot of things like the pill or an IUD, a lot of women use them for non-pregnancy uh, related issues. Do you know what the failure rate is for IUD? I think it's between 1% and 3%, but that's off the top of my head. Yeah, but it's um, better than... But it is a little bit better than the pill. It's also... A, part of the reason that the pill has a higher failure rate is because the pill requires a very specific regimen. So you're supposed to take it at the same time every day. You have to take it every day. And every time you miss, that ups your the chances window, of yeah. it being um, not successful. Thank you. And so... Um, yeah, so that's that's part of the problem there. Um, and, and just to briefly jump in, uh, mm -hmm. there are other health-related, you know, medical benefits and issues that have nothing to do with actually becoming pregnant or, you know, a woman's uh, sexual activity that are very – that can be uh, – uh, uh, that uh, require medical uh, medical use of – uh, IUDs and, and hormone pills and so forth. And um, those aren't well studied because there isn't, there, there hasn't been a lot of science dedicated to those subjects. It's one of the, uh, yeah, it's one of the reasons why like, like uh, women having, uh, oh God, I'm totally forgetting the, you know, but like women suffering all kinds of painful disorders because uh, when they're menstruating, for example. Like PCOS. PCOS is, is, is not, well dealt with in a way that, say, male erectile dysfunction is. <laughs> yes. So. Um, so, for instance, I, um, you know, I had expected to maybe use the IUD for its for its intended purpose. That didn't work out. But um, the reason that I have enjoyed having it still is because of the other um, the other main benefit of it is um, menstrual relief, and that has been very helpful for me. Um, and so that's. You know, for me, it's a bonus. Um, I was never debilitated, but there are women who are debilitated by um, menstruation and use these sorts of things because of that. Um, and again, it has nothing to do with pregnancy. But let's get back to the actual kind of main topic here. Um, and so I've just got a couple more things that I kind of want to start talking about. And then um, we, as we talk if I have more information that's pertinent, I think that um, that would be good. Um, so another couple of things I just want to throw out there for people to start thinking about is, um, for instance, in uh, 2004, uh, the Gut the Gutmacher Institute, which um, is the in is a private institution that um, keeps track of abortion and abortion statistics as best as it can. Um, one of the things that you always have to remember is that abortions are not required to be um, to be registered with the CDC. So most states do it voluntarily, mm -hmm. um, but not all do. Um, and so um, in 2004, they uh, released this table about um, reasons that women gave for having an abortion. Um, and so it said 0.5% were victims of rape. Mm 
mm-hmm. uh, 3% had fetal health problems, mm-hmm. 4% physical health problems, mm-hmm. 4% would interfere with education or career, mm-hmm. 7% not mature enough to raise a child, Big one. Mm-hmm. 8% don't want to be a single mother, mm-hmm. 19% done having children, mm-hmm. 23% can't afford a baby, mm-hmm. and 25% not ready for a child with 6% other. Hmm. And, you know, some of that can be construed in very different ways depending on your outlook. But I think that those two main reasons, can't afford a baby and not ready for a child, are actually pretty compelling reasons for uh, having an abortion because I think that generally people know their situation. And uh, this is a big issue with the idea of trust women. Yes. Um, that... You know, it's it's really it's really hard to argue um, that, you know, these women are just misguided. Well, and it, it gets to one of the, the central concerns of, dare I say, conservative politics in, in other forums, which is uh, economic liberty. You know, like, exactly. like, you know, we should be free to make decisions about our how we uh, uh, spend our time and grow our wealth and uh, invest our resources and whatever. And, you know, if you say like I, you know, and certainly the idea of encouraging people to be fiscally responsible in their lives uh, and not depend upon the largesse of the state. Well, you know, I can't afford a kid is, you know, entirely sensible and responsible uh, adult behavior. Absolutely. Um. Now, of course, um, I don't want to get into that too much, but I will give the counter argument that they will say that you can, um, you know, put it up for adoption. And that's a that's a big one we're going to I want to talk about when we just talk about things about, um, you know, bodily autonomy in that respect. But um, the other thing that I really wanted to uh, mention at the start is the idea that a um, late term abortion is literally an incorrect uh, statement. There is no such thing as a late term abortion. And that's important because words matter. Wait, so you're, so are you saying what, that it's the late term is the wrong term? Yes. Oh, so okay. term, uh, and this is, I'm sorry, I should tell you, this is coming from Jen Gunter, uh, Dr. Jen Gunter. She is mm-hmm. an amazing gynecologist. Uh, she did um, abortions for many years herself. And um, she has an amazing website and spends a lot of time. Um, she's also the woman who has staged a pretty uh, public um, fight against the woo of Gwyneth Paltrow, for instance. Right. Uh, she's the one who told people not to put jade eggs uh, places where they don't belong. <laughs> um, and so she's amazing. And so she has some really great information about um, abortions as someone who has actually done abortions and studied the research on that. Yeah, she's a widely recognized public expert. Exactly. Um, with with uh, international credentials, I think. Yes. So. Yep. Yeah, okay. Okay. So sh- this is um, a paragraph from her website. Uh, term is a pregnancy between 37 and uh, 7 weeks and 41 weeks. Oh, sorry. Between 37.0 and 37.7 weeks and 41 weeks uh 41 and six or seven weeks. It's a little bit, that's a little bit confusing, but between 37 and 41 weeks, I guess is what it is. Um, And so um, it is the time period in which we generally expect the pregnancy to deliver. It is a range as delivering on an actual due date, 40 weeks is uncommon between 41 weeks and 41 and 
Oh, and six sevenths weeks. I see. They were supposed they're um because weeks have seven days. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, no. It was just hard to read because I... It's, it's trying to convert decimals into fractions yes. when the fractions are sevenths. Yes. Yeah. Um, so anyways, uh, of gestation, we say a pregnancy is late term. And from 42 uh, weeks onward, we say it is post-term. Mm. These distinctions are important as late-term and post-term pregnancies are associated with an increased risk in perinatal mortality, stillbirth, or death in the first week of life. And we have seen the tragedy of medically unattended post-term pregnancies play out on social media with women who refuse induction labor in, uh, in, um, so that they can have a free birth. Right. And so when a patient needs an abortion, we discuss trimesters of pregnancy. In general, skill sets are divided into first, second, and third trimester. A patient who needs an 18-week abortion can't be tended by someone with first trimester skills. Although medically, we usually say weeks of gestation. This informs us of the equipment we may need and other medical staff we may require. And, of course, if we have the skill set. Because different trimester Abortions require different skill sets. And there's another um, really important thing that she pointed out that I don't think a lot of people know about is that um, induction of labor for um, early in a pregnancy in order to um, have the um, fetus pass from the uh, from from the woman be because be expelled because of a lethal anomaly mm -hmm. that is considered medically an abortion right even though people tend to not think that inducing early labor can be considered an abortion um and so there are people out there who don't necessarily think about that um and so um and just just again to reiterate uh her credentials uh she is a board certified uh OBGYN in two countries uh, in Canada and the U.S., uh, she did a five-year residency where she trained to do abortions up to 25, 24 to 25 weeks. Um, she has been an OBGYN for 28 years, uh, provided abortion services for 16 of those years, um, but has not for the past 13 years. Only 1.3 of the 638, 1,069 abortions that happen each year in the U.S. Occur, occurs at or after 21 weeks, so approximately 8,000. Most of the procedures happen before 21 weeks. Most are for fetal anomalies and maternal health, but a few are at, the, at maternal request. Um, so I, I just want to jump in because the way we're sort of th – this – information dovetails with the whole, you know, question of politics and law. So, of course, there was the famous decision Roe v. Wade in, was it 74, right? 73. 73. 73. Sorry. I, I was a little too young to remember. <laughs> but um, I in, remember it well. Yes. <laughs> uh, I think I discovered that I really liked the Speed Racer cartoon in 1973. And actually, it might have been <laughs> earlier than that because I have friends who got a legal abortions yeah. in 73. So, so yeah. um, uh one of the 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 things uh, that I I didn't realize had sort of been been sort of revised by the later Casey versus Planned Parenthood decision, but um, uh, so the way I I grown up thinking I thought about it when I first became aware of uh, you know that there was this thing called abortion and what was going on with it and so forth, you know when I was a teenager was um, that uh, Roe v Wade sort of established like the first trimester 
there's just not even a question. Like, there's no state interest in doing having anything to do with uh, restricting a woman's access to like a, a first trimester abortion. Just you know, if you find out you're pregnant and you don't think it's a good idea, just do it. It doesn't even come up. The during the second trimester, uh, there may be some state interests in putting some kind of restrictions or safeguards on there, and that that you know was was ground for sort of you know political and scientific and ethical negotiation that there were uh there there could be some uh uh safeguards or or you know some limits put on them by states and then in the third trimester uh basically like without some kind of urgent medical necessity uh it was okay to ban abortions Do you know and that and that was you know a fairly simple straightforward thing you know like if if by 6 months in you know uh, you haven't mis- you haven't you haven't made up your mind like you know it, it's certainly understandable uh, uh, that that's uh, you know at that point you you you've committed you know but do you know when apparently. the KC case was against Planned Parenthood? I want to say ninety two. Ninety two. It was um, I think it was yeah I think it was like right when I was leaving college and you know and Sandra Day O'Connor was a a, a major uh, like the the pivotal vote I can look that up though yeah. just to be well, sure. I was just curious of the time frame. Yeah. Because I remember the seventies very well, but the nineties are a blur. <laughs> uh, too much Reaganomics. <laughs> I have a question for Stacy while you're looking that up. Sure. So you you said a second ago that um, a lot of the abortions are for fetal anomalies, mm-hmm. but the first statistics you gave us actually was that twenty three percent? I started to jot them down, and I oh, so that was fetal anomalies for for later term. Oh, for, for later. later trimester. That's what you were um, saying. Later, so, yep, later you. in the weeks. Yep. So anything yeah. past twenty four weeks is generally for um, yeah issues, issues, medical issues, medical issues, and that's what is of course so infuriating is that um, one of the things that uh, a lot of people are talking about because women are coming out and talking about this is that a lot of those pregnancies almost all of those pregnancies are wanted pregnancies yeah and that's what's so upsetting about this and they do all this genetic testing to see if you have Tay-Sachs or you know some other really hideous disease and some of it doesn't develop until later on in the pregnancy because a lot of the stuff happens with um a lot of uh developmental um, things you know if you end up with um, you know, you can end up with um, uh, microcephaly. You can end up with heart anomalies, spinal cord, um, spinal cord things. And those all don't show up until later in the pregnancy. Because can I just jump in Absolutely. here for a sec? <clears throat> and and I, I just want to like for people who are like, well, you know, like better genetic testing. And it's like it's not always just a matter of like, oh, those are the genes, you know, it's like. Pregnancy is a biological process. It's, um, I think, I think it's fair to say, a fairly complex one that plays out over a long period of time, and there are a lot of things that, a lot of factors that can influence a pregnancy that are go beyond the genetics, and that happen as the genes express themselves, as as the fetus develops, and so a uh, perfectly healthy fetus at two months can become uh, an unviable fetus at four months and in a way that can't be predicted because it's, it's it, well, it's, it's literally unpredictable. It's because, like, you don't know how those, how the complex interactions of, uh, of the, 
the, the fetus's genes and the environment in the womb and other factors going on, and just sometimes uh, uh, perfectly ordinary uh, genes uh, don't express themselves properly. There's some mistake in the protein encoding or whatever. I mean, like, stuff oh. happens. Oh, look at Zika, Zika virus. Right, uh, yep. sure, and that's, that's one simple reason. So uh, all of which is to say um, that it's not simply uh, like, uh, you know, press the button and pregnancy engine starts running and then it runs to the end and boom baby you know like mm -hmm. that there, there are a lot of other factors going on so to uh, uh to 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 put so much like vituperation on uh people who are having late-term abortions because you know they're 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 almost certainly doing it because they don't really have a choice you know because at this point you know they're going to have like a horribly yeah a horribly ill or dead baby you know or they're at severe risk of yes that's death the other themselves thing. so a lot of women end up with high blood pressure um you can get uh, gestational diabetes that can be very um dangerous for some women yeah. and so a lot of those times it's the health of the mother um rather than the health of the fetus but it's still again these were wanted pregnancies. And, and those effects are also unpredictable until they develop. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So just a, um, just a quick aside to put some uh, you know, numbers to this. Please. Uh, this is from um, perinatology.com. Um, and so uh, perinatal obviously is about um, oh. you know, before the baby is born. And so um, there's just a little chart here, and it's got um, developmental stages. And so um, it's actually really interesting because it actually breaks it up to between embryonic stages and fetal stages. So this um, chart doesn't start to identify um, the, um, the fetus as a fetus until um, week uh, 11 in gestational age or nine in conceptual age. Um, so generally, uh, week one of gestational age is considered week zero. Oh. Um, week oh. one and two of gestational age or conceptual age is zero because most people don't yet know, so there's no way to tell when in that range. Oh, okay. So it actually has started. So that's why there's two different numbers. It's like this baby could have been gestating for 10 days before you realize, oh, we've conceived a child. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> so that's that's why I want to let you know there are two separate uh, sets of numbers. But Th This is radio. Stacey was interpreting the gap-faced <laughs> confusion on my face. <laughs> um, Thank you. So um, it talks about developing or organs, and it says when they are, um, the red bars show the gestational age when different organ systems are most sensitive to major de birth defects in that organ system. And the pink bars show that gestation age when different organ systems are sensitive to functional defects and minor malformations. So for instance, the central nervous system uh, weeks for, let's just stick with um, uh, conceptual age, because that's what people are more um, used to. Um, and so between weeks three and six is when it's most likely to happen, but it can go all the way up to 40 to thir 38 weeks or 40 weeks. Uh, and so it goes the entire range that there can be birth defects happening there. Um, same with the eyes, they develop a little bit later, um, but they go right up to uh, 40 weeks, 38 weeks, uh, external genitals, uh, the teeth go almost up to um, they go up to 20 or 18 weeks. Um, and so that's still pretty significant. 
Um, and so there are a lot of um, defects that do show uh, more strongly in the embryonic stage, which is between three and eight weeks. So that's um, heart, ears, uh, eyes, limbs, lips, palate, uh, teeth, and external genitals um, are the other are the um, things that they put here. And so that's the thing is that there's a lot of things that go wrong um, just naturally. Um, and, you know, the majority of uh, people who the majority of um, women and uh, people who have uteruses that actually have a pregnancy, the majority of those are actually spontaneously aborted um, before anything even before you even know um, before anything even happens. And so um, wait, are you saying the majority of conceptions uh, end in a in a sort of a no, the majority of congenital deformities oh okay cause of right. cause of natural inflation. right but I, I know that there is a certain percentage of but there's also a fairly high percentage yes of natural uh, i don't think it's i don't think that it's um the majority but oh it's not the majority yeah i don't yeah, uh, yeah i mean I, that, that's what you said was the majority but. um yeah i didn't mean to say that was the majority sorry but, um but a significant fraction of yeah. pregnancies just sort of naturally self-terminate or miscarry or whatever if there's the term something, is. If there's yeah because the body's like oop nope sorry <laughs> try again well as a Republican, I just want to say, put those women in jail. <laughs> uh-huh. Sorry. I also, I, I just want to shout out to Stacy uh, for bringing up something that I mentioned at the top of the show that I wanted to sort of briefly circle back to. Um, uh, most of the people we're talking about are women. Uh, might call them cisgender women or, or, or whatever other term might apply. As long as they have a uterus. Right, people with people with uteruses, which does include some people who are trans men. There's also intersex people born with both. Right, exactly. Not so, necessarily always functional, but sometimes. Right, functional. and and just um, if you're capable of, uh, if you have a uterus and you're capable of carrying a child inside your body, uh, you should have. I, I argue you should have the ability to uh, make whatever decisions you need to about how that works. And that's uh, uh, it, it's important to recognize that uh, when we talk about uh, we, well, the shorthand is often a woman's right to choose. But it does include like uh, 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 anybody who's uh, intersex or uh, otherwise uh, uh, or, or trans men, anybody who has a womb like like yeah. trans men are people, too. And they have the same. Can you imagine? Yeah. If we started, because I'm a libertarian Republican, as you guys know. Yeah. Can you imagine if we started to tell you what you could do with your sperm? Uh, I know. I tell you many, many different scenarios. I know what I tell you. You could do with your suggestions. (laughs) (laughs) But of course, that's um, the thing is that you know this is the universal double standard. Well, fertilized eggs. You know, because there's an egg involved, right? Then people start to reach in and. But yeah. it's it's just sort of shocking when you start to think about it as, um, you know, body autonomy. So actually, there is a suggestion by some studies that the uh, there, there's one um, person who did a paper, and he said that miscarriage miscarriage is the predominant outcome of fertilization, a natural and inevitable part of human reproduction at all ages. Well, that's interesting. Um, so a lot, lots of times they don't implant for some reason. Who and knows? interestingly, uh, the the research also found that access to birth control can reduce the number of miscarriages a woman will have in her lifetime. 
which is really interesting to me. I wonder how they're defining miscarriage. Well, that doesn't seem that surprising, though. Like, anyway. But we are uh, sort of at the halfway mark here of the show. Already? Yep. Yes. Ooh, so um, so uh, this is civil politics. <laughs> We're talking about the uh, uh, politically uh, inflammatory issues surrounding uh, abortion and birth control <clears throat> and how people should have the right to control, make those important decisions for themselves. And I just want to say I'm a Republican and um, libertarian pro-choice, mm -hmm. but I describe it as pro-life, pro-life of the woman. Yeah. And, you know, I feel really strongly about the autonomy of women yeah. and their bodies and their health care. That's why I call uh, the, the other stance forced birth. Forced yeah. birth. Or anti-choice. Or uh, anti-choice. I, I, I do want to <laughs> just reiterate, as we do play the disclaimer at the top of the show, but these are the views and opinions of me, Michael Dow, and my two uh, co-hosts, uh, uh, Susan and Stacy, as we're talking about this important issue. Um, they don't necessarily reflect those of Valley Free Radio or anybody else who has a show on the on the or, or all or anarchists or Republicans or all Democrats or that's true <laughs> exactly or, or all, all women or all, all Catholics or all yeah. trans men you know, yeah. all kinds of issues. So uh, we're going to play a few PSAs, promos, and station IDs, and then we'll be back with more to talk about this and maybe get into a bit of how this applies to. Uh, the recent laws that have been passed on a number of states here in this country. Can you say Joe Biden? I can say Joe <laughs> Biden as well. Uh, Joe Biden. Not anyway. without making noises like that, yes. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, I've, I've been told I should express my feelings more. Anyway, <laughs> so we're going to play some messages, and we'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Charlie. I fight fires, and I save lives. My name's Renee. I'm a cardiologist. I save lives. My name's Anthony. I'm an EMT. I save lives. You don't have to be a professional to save a life. Firefighters, doctors, and others save lives. You can, too. Don't wait. To learn more about the warning signs and how you can help prevent suicide, visit save.org. In a crisis, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. Classical music on Valley Free Radio. Tune in to Andy Musique. Wednesday mornings at 7 a.m. for an hour of beautiful music to start your day. Hosted by Lucy and Larry. Football is a sport that unites fans, players, and coaches alike in a spirit of competition and camaraderie. Football season has come to our area, and while you're watching a game with friends or sharing in the excitement with family, be sure to celebrate responsibly. Never pick up the keys and drive if you've had too much to drink. And if you're 21, drinking alcohol is against the law. Remember, alcohol is different. Let's all work together to keep our roads and communities safe and have a winning season. This message is brought to you by your local beer distributors and this station. Did you know there is a CSA from which you can get locally brewed beer shares? Or that there is a delivery service that can bring produce from local farms to your door every week? Farm to Fork is a radio program dedicated to revealing the history of the food system in the Pioneer Valley and exploring the bounty the valley has to offer. The program tackles the complex issues surrounding food, drink, and every kind of nutrient with their individual production schemes and consumer markets. These topics and more Tuesdays at 7 p.m. on Farm to Fork, Valley Free Radio, 103.3 FM, WXOJLP, Northampton. <laughs> The Lilly Library is filled with adventure and wonder for kids and adults of all ages. 
Lily Library in downtown Florence lends books and movies to everyone. They offer free parking, free Wi-Fi, and two-hour sessions on Internet-connected computers. They also offer extensive programs for children, including story hours, clubs, and activities for teens, as well as adult programs. The library is open Tuesday and Thursday evenings, Saturdays and Sundays. Find out more at lilylibrary.org. It's important to make sure your family has a plan in case of an emergency. We talked to this family to see if each of them knew where to meet if they were not together when something happened. If a natural disaster happened and we were outside the home, we would all meet at the park. That's our meeting point. I'm meeting place at our neighbor's house because she is my mom's good friend. We all have a meeting spot, which is a bus stop. Is your plan any better? To learn more about making an emergency plan for your family, go to www.mass.gov slash MEMA. Brought to you by the Ready Massachusetts U.S. Department of Homeland Security and the Ad Council. This is Ruthie from Pedal People with a public service announcement. If you frequent downtown Northampton or Florence and you pass by the recycling and trash bins on the street, the public ones, I'm here to let you know that cups are not recyclable. No plastic cups, no paper cups, no styrofoam cups, no clear cups, red cups, blue cups, yellow cups, no insulated cups. Because if you put cups in the recycling bin, it means either I pick them out or someone at the sorting facility picks them out in Springfield, or it contaminates the whole load too much that the whole load is considered trash. Or if you can just bring your own cup all together and not have disposable cups, that'd be even better. Thanks for listening, and thanks for your cooperation. And we're back with Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm still Michael Dow. I'm still joined by Stacy Cooney and Sue Timberlake. Uh, we are still talking about the uh, politically uh, potent issue of... Uh, uh, a woman or trans person's right to choose, <laughs> a, a, a person with a womb's right to choose uh, whether or not to uh, get pregnant and, if so, to carry a pregnancy to term. Uh, that is, uh, uh, we've, we've talked in the first half about uh, a lot of the sort of the science and the statistics of it, um, uh, and we're going to get into a bit more of the politics of it, but I do just want to mention once again, <clears throat> because just because this is such a divisive issue, uh, the views and opinions we're expressing here are all those of the three of us in this room. Uh, that doesn't necessarily reflect the views and opinions of Valley Free Radio as a whole, or any of the people who do shows on it, or who support us, or advertise. Well, who have advertise, ever been on our show? Underwrite us, yeah. <laughs> or anybody who's ever been on our show. Um, yeah. You know. Uh, uh, Freedom of speech is wonderful. Yes, it, <laughs> yes. it is. And, and should be valued and treasured, and, and people we, died for it in World War II. Yeah, well, people, yes. And, and we, uh, you know, we have reasons for our strong opinions, but uh, uh, they are our beliefs. Um, the, you know, the facts are still the facts. <laughs> <laughs> so you were saying how many different kinds of women have... I thought that was on the break. You oh, know, the yes. Factoids, so sort of the... Um, in 2015, according to uh, the CDC, the uh, breakdown was, if I can get my things to go there. Um, oh, there it is. Uh, was non-Hispanic white women were 36.9%. Non-Hispanic black women were 36%. Hispanic women accounted for 18.5% of all abortions in 2015, and non-Hispanic women of other races made up 8.7%. Now, I did not know that it was uh, a slight majority of white women. And, uh, but the thing is, is that uh, given the demographic who can, um, realities... Who can choose, yep, who's choosing? 
Well, the, the, I was going to say that the demographic realities of America is that those percentages still um, do indicate that black women are the most likely to have an abortion uh, per population uh, percentage. Because, of oh, course, I thought it was 36% of them. But you're saying, no, it's 36% of okay. overall. Yeah. Of, of, of the pool of women, exactly, of women the overall are, pool of women who had abortions, those are the percentages. So the numbers would be more black women then. Exactly. Right. And probably a close second would be Hispanic, given um, the percentage of the population. I'm maybe, just doing uh, the math in my head, so. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Back the envelope math, but. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know. And so, it's, you know. It's, it's when people with uteruses. And yeah. anything on the socioeconomic status in there that wasn't in that. Um, the problem, yeah. of course, is that all of this reporting is voluntary, yeah. is voluntary. So, um, you know, and they there's a lot of women who probably are having abortions that don't really want to tell you much about them. Well, and different states um, have because diff of. Yeah. Different states have different <laughs> laws about that. If I recall correctly, I saw an article uh, that was linked to by some, you know, uh, pro of some anti-choice activist person who was saying how, like, you know, this is a damning demonstration. Uh, uh, apparently, they claimed that in Florida, uh, people had to give a reason why they were getting uh, an abortion. Yes. And they, you know, said, like, look, only, like, you know, 5% of all of them are because, like, oh, you know, I was, you know, rape or incest or, you know, my life's in danger. You know, and, the you know, the vast majority of the people basically gave a... Uh, uh, no particular reason answer. Oh, because they didn't want people to... Right, and yes. I'm just like... Right. So in other words, the vast majority of people answered... Refused to answer should have been on there. Right. <laughs> gave the answer, the state of Florida, it's none of your business. Yeah. And I, I, I'm just like, so that tells you nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you know, It's like the gun A laws. very small percentage of people want to talk about how they might have been sexually assaulted before they... Uh, chose to terminate this most, pregnancy. Yeah, most but, people would not. Well, it's sort of like the weird. gun laws that people really don't want to report. They just, you know, they don't. And then there's groups that work against any of the data being collected properly. So yeah. there's, there's like sort of like putting a census question about whether you're illegal or not. You know, it's yeah, it's you know what the outcome is when you do stuff like that. So yeah, and um, no one responds. You know, I think it's really important to keep coming around back around to the idea that, you know, when people talk about uh, their forced birth uh, opinions and their anti-choice opinions, they just lump all people into the same category. And there is a vast range of women who and other people who are involved in this who have a whole range of issues. And especially, again, I know that I keep harping on this, but it's so important to remind people that almost all of late late trimester um, abortions, third trimester abortions, are actually wanted pregnancies that have unfortunately gone wrong. Yeah, I, I, I you know... I, I would have guessed that, but I yeah. didn't know that. Well, and I, I, I poked around a little bit online, and, like, I haven't found anybody saying, no, I'm one of the people who opted... You know, like, th like, it doesn't seem that there's no... Like, none of the accounts I read, you know, the uh, the... the forums i went to you know like on reddit or whatever you know nobody comes you know has talked about like oh like i remember treating a patient who who basically was like that eh, changed my mind meh you know whatever like well, that the kind doctors of doctors have resisted reporting it very carefully they've resisted it to protect patient confidentiality sure and you know it it's well, sort of like a question that that shouldn't be asked. Well, I I, I think I, I think in I think in every case it's a matter of it being a wanted pregnancy. Um, 
you know, every case I've heard of. And usually it's a medical necessity. But I mean, you know, like I could I can spin a hypothetical where it's like, oh, uh, you know, my husband and I, we were all set to have a kid. And uh, then, you know, uh, I turned out to ha have like this chronic illness. And then my husband was killed in a car crash. And all of a sudden I can't work and I can't afford a child now and I'm alone. And I can understand saying, like, I'm going to terminate the pregnancy at that point. I mean, that's that's me just making that up. But, I mean, like, that would qualify as a, oh, that was a third trimester, quote-unquote, elective abortion. Yeah, I doubt too many doctors. Would. Right. Yeah. But for the same reason, you know, you might ha make that decision in the first trimester. Right. Something terrible just happened. Yeah. Um, it's external to the womb, but, you know, um, it, I think it still sort of broadly qualifies. Well, I just uh, want to do one more bit from um, Jen please. Gunter. Uh, she said many of the complications that lead to abortion decisions around 24 weeks involve issue with, issues with bleeding or other severe maternal health problems. These women are even more likely to have complications from a C-section, meaning they could die or lose their uterus or win an extended stay in an intensive care unit. Uh, Which has its own risks. Exactly. Especially in, in the U.S., Right, yeah. in contrast to if they had had an abortion with a trained abortion provider. Yeah. And so a lot of people say, well, if the child is viable, you should have the, you should have the baby, and sometimes it would need to be a C-section. But the problem is, is that, that those C-sections can often leave a woman permanently barren, can leave a woman um, or a person with a uterus. Sorry, I, I know that I, yeah. it, it's important to keep using the, the full thing, but you know, it's, it's hard to, um, but, um, you know, and so that's why, you know, a C-section is not usually yeah. indicated in these kinds of things because, um, you know, it can lead to catastrophic complications in a subsequent pre pregnancy. Even, uh, it can lead to uterine ruptures in, um, subsequent, uh, um, pregnancies. And so it's really important to remember that, again, these sorts of easy answers aren't necessarily easy answers. Well, that's why people go to medical school. I just find it offensive that these folks in Congress think that they can determine this or decide this in state well, congresses and in, you know, the U.S. Congress. It's like, what is their, what is their, what are their credentials to be involved in sort of thought process about this? I just yeah. I find it offensive. Well, and one of the reasons why I wanted Stacy to join us is because um, I think the, the argument that I, I, uh, I don't agree with it, but I think there's I think it's at least morally defensible. The 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 argument uh, uh, in favor of uh, anti-choice or pr oh, forced birth or whatever. Oh, There's a state's interest. No, in is is the idea that like you know life begins at conception, so as soon as you've got a fertilized egg, that's a person, and therefore. It's wrong to end it because that's effectively killing a person. I I think you have to account for all of your sperm for your entire life. <laughs> right, sure. But I, I I'm just saying like it's just so. But but I I think one of the reasons I wanted Stacy to come on is talk about like pregnancy uh, uh, as she was bringing out is a process. It's not just a matter of like oh, you know, fertilization has occurred, the whole thing is a done deal. It's like it is not, you know. The fertilized egg has to implant in the uterus. It then has to go through this whole long, complicated stage of development where it changes from an embryo to a fetus. Like, I I didn't realize those were, you know, both terms applied at different stages because I'm ignorant. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that, that that's a whole thing. What like, stage does it become a fetus? I don't know. 
Was it um, a couple of weeks, four weeks, eight weeks? So in this particular um, timeline, it moves from being an embryo to a fetus um, at week nine, gestational nine. week nine, embryonic week eight. Uh, sorry, seven. So it it goes from embryonic age seven weeks to fetal age eight weeks. Okay. And and so uh, a lot of, uh, a number of the recently passed laws in like uh, Ohio and Alabama and so mm -hmm. forth um, have said like, okay, abortion is okay up until six to eight weeks. So basically they're saying like, oh, an embryo is okay. Exactly. But as soon as it's a fetus, it's not or something. Well, and we'll probably have to figure out what the what what turns it into a fetus. What is it in the science world, not in the political world? What is it in the science world? You know, what, what what organs have to be there? What what you know, germ cell needs to be there for them to start calling it a, a fetus? Well, I, I I I think I think uh, there's, the, there's there's some you know yeah. developmental. Well, the, the marker there that somebody's using for the wrong reason, but well, and the, the science is is certainly important, but in in the end, when we're making uh, uh, these legal decisions, like our values take the science and then decide what we're gonna gonna do with it. Um, and go ahead. I was gonna say so. According to this particular website, and that they're yeah, um, this is their schema exactly. Uh, it says uh, at fetal age eight weeks or gestational age ten weeks. Uh, the embryo's tail has disappeared, and it is now called a fetus. Its tail is gone. Yep. Good to know. I know people who are born with tails. <laughs> and so the average mm. <laughs> fetus at uh, this time is 1.2 inches long and weighs 1.2 ounces. Right. And that's about the and, – and uh, one, another one of the terms that gets used a lot is the quote-unquote fetal heartbeat bill. Right. But, of course, like even at, at that stage – there isn't actually a heart. There's pulsing tissue, right? I think they there's some there's something that pulses pretty early on yeah. before the heart is even there. I think there's a. Well, actually, it does say that it, at embryonic age seven weeks, the heart is beating about 170 beats per minute. Really? So there that well, the heart has to start forming very early because it needs to have the circulation. The circulatory system starts very early because you need it in order to do other things. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and so... Um, yeah, I knew there was an elect electric signal pretty early on. Yep, and so the brain, spine, and heart begin to form at age, um, at gestational age, uh, week five. Um, and so the um, that's when it starts to be an embryo. Um, so before that... Um, the first couple of weeks, it's not even considered basically an embryo. It's still considered basically a zygote. Um, and then around three weeks, um, it becomes an embryo. Um, and at that point, uh, during the first week, it's smaller than the head of a pin. Um, at week four, it starts to be around um, the head of a pin. And that's when you can start to uh, have a pregnancy test give you a positive reading. Um, An HCG. Yep. So um, all of these, uh, uh, I mean, the, the, these these medical developmental scientific facts are, are important um, because people they... People latch on to them sort of willy-nilly a little bit. As, I think so, yeah. yeah. Because, because in the end, we do have to make decisions about, uh, uh, as as adults, what we're going to do, like, you know, how do we want to handle the possibility of becoming a parent? Are we ready? Do we have the finances? And as we talk about often on this show, one of the problems this country faces is an increasing 
uh, wealth gap, a disparity between a, a, a very rich few and a desperately struggling and impoverished many. Make the rich have the children? <laughs> well, sure, yeah. But of course, <laughs> one of the reasons, one of the things about being wealthy and one of the things that leads to being wealthy is uh, controlling uh, uh, pregnancies, is to deciding whether or not you want to get pregnant. It helps and, women in developing countries, that's for sure. It helps women in this country. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. uh, one of the things that inspired me to try and have this discussion was uh, a Supreme Court decision that came out last week about a, a, a law in Indiana, uh, which was uh, basically they issued a very simple per curiam decision, but it inspired Judge Clarence Thomas to issue, to write a 20-page opinion sort oh, of, quote-unquote, concurring, which, yeah, because I, I, I mentioned it last week, among other things, yes. and I can link to the PDF. Uh, but so he basically went off on a whole rant about Margaret Sanger and Planned Parenthood and how Margaret Sanger, who lived in the early 20th century, uh, framed her advocacy for birth control uh, in the language of the of eugenics and the science of the time, which, you know, eugenics is properly horrifying and problematic. But, you know, Margaret Sanger uh, and Stacy, you know, jump on and, and, yeah. and help me if I'm getting I actually did that different. last week. I, yeah, I yeah. sent a, uh, yeah. a message to genre um, yeah. to, to let you know that in fun, in fact, that was a dirty lie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, she, she campaigned for birth control in black communities is, is part of this. I'm reading from Clarence Thomas's opinion. But it was control. She opened the birth control clinic in Harlem. The uh, then in women. 1939, she initiated the Negro Project, an effort to promote birth control in poor southern black communities, uh, noting that blacks were, quote, notoriously underprivileged and handicapped to a large measure by a caste system. Uh, she argued in a fundraising letter that birth control knowledge brought to this group is the most direct constructive aid that could be given to them to improve their immediate situations. Uh, an effort, by the way, that she was supported in by W.E.B. Du Bois, who would certainly. Right. <laughs> and pretty much that that, that statement is 100 percent true, is that, you know, we find time after time after time after time when you give women in situations that are uh extremely who are extremely destitute when you give them access to family planning there there is an immediate change, change in circumstances they immediately yeah. begin to have better outcomes because they can control one of the most important well economic decisions kind well, of aside from all the other issues one of the most important economic decisions any person especially a person with a womb can make which is like right. when do i want to like for you know produce another mouth to feed do i want clothe? children right and and just this is going you know children i understand children are, can be pretty cool but they are definitely always a a, a, a sink for time and energy and money and, right. and everything else and, i do so, want to just make yeah. a point because i and we are almost wrapping up. So exactly. But I wanted to make this very up. important point that Margaret Sanger was actually anti-abortion. She was extremely against abortion. Mm -hmm. She was only pro-family planning, which is contraceptives, which no matter what changed the world, uh, mm -hmm. no matter what conservatives want to say are not abortifacients. Uh, they are they they prevent pregnancy. They can prevent conception. 
And so well, some of them prevent conception. Others and the ones they're complaining about are the ones that prevent uh, implantation of the egg in the wall of the uterus. But they're like, well, that's an abortion. It's like, well, no, IUD does no, that. No, it, no, it's not. Exactly. That's what <laughs> the IUD does. So I want to talk about Joe Biden. Just I know we're getting off the air. But so he yeah. reversed his position today. And I want to torment you guys because you're, you know, Democrats. And Well, I'm a Democrat. <laughs> Stacy's an eat the rich person. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but so he reversed his position on the Hyde Amendment. And, too little, too late. Well, and he did it after um, your shining star, Elizabeth Warren, um, showed, him what, showed him what leadership was, and he yeah. sure doesn't have it. Well, so. and you know what? I have Biden, say, Biden I voted for the Hyde Amendment when it first yeah, came oh, up. Oh, many times oh, yeah. over. Yeah, he's yeah. a go-along, get-along kind of guy. Well, yeah. he's also a staunch Catholic, so, yeah. you know. Um, but he's still a corporatist shield no matter what, and he also still doesn't actually respect women. So I actually don't care that he's reversed his uh, stance. I still think he's terrible. The person who I think has had the best uh, answer on the, the Democrat side is actually Pete Buttigieg. Oh, interesting. Um, so I'll, I'll ask, either I'll do it or I'll ask John to um, link to his statement. But uh, we oh, do have to wrap cool. up. Yeah. Yes, thank you for, for pointing that out. So we've only just touched William on William Weld is pro-choice, too. So. An anti-union. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> well, not all Republicans are. Well, he is a Republican, my dear. <laughs> I guess we must go. Wendy, hi. Yes, indeed. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, th there's certainly more to talk about with this issue, and I'm sure we'll, it'll continue to come up. But thank you to Stacy from Evidence-Based, uh, our, our predecessor show, uh, to join us to help us have this important discussion. I hope it was interesting and illuminating to uh, all of our listeners um and uh yeah that's going to do it for tonight so we've got next coming up is uh, subculture a great mix of uh uh indie uh, and uh, uh electronica music uh followed by table of contents at 10 okay asia at midnight and then more cool music into the wee hours uh there will be a podcast of the show uploaded probably over the weekend to any podcast source you can think of and, uh, yeah. Oh, and we do still have, uh, they haven't yet figured out that we're being repeated <laughs> at Mondays at four. So, <laughs> so we're, we're on the air again. So, uh, listen to us a second time. Anyway, that's all for now with civil politics. We should be back with more next week. Thank you and good night. This show is part of the planet side productions network. For more information, please visit www.planetside.pro. And thank you for listening.